This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. everybody welcome to tarot talk with shannon and kathy hello hello so today on the show we are going to discuss the tv miniseries the deep end and teal swan who is at the center of this organization it was it's a freeform documentary series but i i don't remember where i watched it somewhere i think it was hulu, hulu. that's right i watched it on hulu so this is an arresting and provocative exploration inside the world of one of today's most controversial spiritual teachers and her dedicated followers. And I will tell you that there's four episodes on Hulu and it does not, even though, so what's you really unique about this piece as a, as a piece of media, since that's what we try to address first is that you, you have filmmakers that got unfettered access to her, to Teal Swan's teachings, her workshops, her inner circle at the time, full access to her. She gave it freely away. She was part of it. You had full access to everything that there was an investigator as part of this that they hired to kind of investigate to see whether or not uh, her organization was quote unquote a cult. So there was a person in there doing that. So there's a, several characters. Everyone that was in the workshops that you see gave permission for their workshop experience, obviously, to be to be discussed and shown in this. And it's just one season. It's it's four episodes. And as a documentary, I was very entertained because at the helm of this, you have a an interesting personality, a personality that we talk a lot about, but a personality that we don't often see in women. And as you guys know, we have done a female psychopath series. And, and whereas Teal Swan is not a female psychopath necessarily, we don't know, we don't know her. We're not diagnosing her. It's all about the impressions that we see of her. We've talked a lot about the psychology of personality on this show. And so that is our intent today is to talk a little bit about what we observed, a little bit of our feelings, but I want to ask. <laughs> so I enjoyed this mini series from that standpoint. I thought it was unique because of this unfettered access. Like you don't, Oh yeah. And this is like a person operating right now today, doing workshops, doing all the things we often do shows on people from the seventies. We often do shows like you know Gwen Shamlet like she's deceased so like we do these shows on things that have had a full beginning middle and end to a person's professional story and this is one where they're it's in the middle this is a young woman op and has and and has a you know company and a, and all of that right this moment so that makes it really unique but I did want to say a funny thing so <laughs> Kathy had watched this before me and she texted me and she's like, are you finished with the deep end? 
or whatever you said. And I was like, no, I haven't even started yet. She's like, I can't wait you to watch it because this woman would hate you. <laughs> and I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. And I just wonder, and I know I didn't ask her why or any of that. I mean, I kind of knew, <laughs> but I'm just curious why you had said that or what, what, what your thought process was around that. I think this woman will hate anyone that will see beneath this proverbial mask. And I'm the closest representation that you had to that. For, I mean, I think I, I mean, I would see it, but I don't think I would have the, the calmness around it where I think you'd be more inquisitive. I'd probably be more argumentative mm -hmm. with her. Possibly. I don't know. You know, I don't know either. I mean, that um, is generally our fallback. Like, sure. like as people, like our own personalities, when we look at our own personalities, we both yeah. have like fallback channels. Yeah. <laughs> I also know my work with, narcissist whether it be in couples or family work and mm -hmm. ending the relationship because it's creating more abuse in the room and things like that so i well i certainly wouldn't do couples therapy with her jesus yeah but no i guess my point is is i'm thinking about my personal reactions you know in certain settings to people who are like teal and i think that teal is someone who would be very intrigued by you and your presentation and she would play the game with you but she'd be really pissed off by you oh yeah so so when you said that to me and then I, I didn't know why I figured it was because she's a narcissist so mm -hmm. uh, then I watched the series and kind of chuckled to myself along the way because then I knew exactly why she would hate me and hopefully this is interesting to you guys because it's not just me it's anybody who would present like me so I get how what my answer to that question would be is that I because I've had her as a client, like yeah. not her, her, <laughs> but I've had a female I've had female narcissists as clients on many, 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 many occasions. At one point, that was a lot of the referrals I was getting from friends and colleagues. And also, I just that happens to be something that ends up in my chair with previous female narcissists that I've treated. One of the things that happens when it's rigid, not like we're not talking just like narcissistically oriented. No, we're talking about someone who's out of their awareness. Yes. So one of the thing, and I, so I'll, before I tell that story, I'll just say to you, and I maybe you agree with this, but as part of this series, one of the things I kept getting hit in the face with about her presentation is that she buys her own thing. She stuff. does. And that's what's so unique and interesting about this too. There, she buys it completely. She takes herself very seriously. Mm -hmm. There is no, there is no hedging. There is no self awareness around anything. Do her doing anything wrong? There's no narrator in this series presenting that viewpoint. Right. So that's what's really interesting about the way they crafted it. Is a lot of times in these kinds of series, this is this is not someone who thinks she's duping her people. No, you have a lot of times in these series, you have a narrative or uh, someone in there, the cop or a family member or a survivor or whatever, because there's you know all of that. You don't have a lot of that in this. There's a couple of people that talk about like she harmed me, et cetera, but it's really not focused on. No, this is her doc. So this is her doc and she very much drank her own Kool-Aid and thoroughly believes in her own power. Okay. So that aside, those are most of the female narcissists. I've sat with male narcissists that have, that don't drink their own Kool-Aid anymore, 
but I have not. Uh, there might have been one. I'm thinking of one, but there's a there. They they buy their own stuff. So one of the things that happens for me as a therapist with this is that they, because you're a woman, I'm a woman too. There is a hyper focus on every single thing I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Every mannerism, every breath. I had one client one time say like, I don't like the way you breathe. Mm-hmm. I don't like the thing you do. When I say this, you you move your mouth that way. They're hyper vigilant mm-hmm. about every, hyper focused on me, hyper focused on everything I'm doing. And here's the thing is what does a narcissist need the most? Hearing. Is they need you to be yourself. Okay, so we know that they missed early mirroring, so they need this mirroring. But here's the thing is that if the narcissist is sitting in your therapeutic seat, client seat, and they are not they have not progressed to the point of being able to tolerate you in the room. And I'm okay, like yell, you can yell, you can be mad, you can treat me like shit, all that stuff within that hour, because I'm gonna redirect you on a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna be personally invested and get upset and all of that. But if I do, I'm gonna talk about it with you. Mm-hmm. But if you're not to the point where that person can let you be alive in the room then then it that's why people talk about therapy for a narcissist being contraindicated and that's why i've been able to sit with a lot of narcissists and do treatment with them because they've been able to tolerate me in the room not very well not like for very long they might and we try to elongate you know they might start with 20 minutes they might get to 30 minutes where they can tolerate mm-hmm. me we might need to go back and forth they cannot tolerate my being flawed they cannot tolerate the mirror of any kind of flaw mm-hmm. so that's where she and i would get into trouble is once she realized that i was Accepting everything she said and appreciating it and mirroring her and loving all of the things that she's saying and really enjoying her meditations and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And we got no further than that. Like she wouldn't be able to bring me into her. She wouldn't be able to change the relationship. Mm -hmm. There'd still be boundaries. I wouldn't join her thing. Yeah, all of that. Then we'd get into trouble or it'd be the first session and she just wouldn't like the look at me. Yeah. Which is where I'm kind of thinking it would go. Yeah. It, as soon as there, as soon as there was no manipulation to be had, mm-hmm. but I don't know. And with it so much out of their awareness, this is where it, the, the work gets very difficult. You know, you can work with people on that continuum that, uh, have some, Oh, it's not like you're, you're narcissistic or you're not narcissistic. It's somewhere on that continuum. But when it becomes this rigid, where there's no accountability, there's no capacity for self-reflection. Right. We're now in, we literally are in the deep end. We're with someone who doesn't have, there's no incentive, there's nothing incentivizing them to change who they are. And Teal has been able to build, and I mean, she's been able to build a fortress. Yeah. Very dangerous. Um, from philosophy, you know, this is a woman who grew up in and out of therapy, Mm-hmm. and learned how to use it in her own words, but then in uh, the other side of her mouth, hates the field of psychology. 
That's also really typical. Yeah. And typical of this personality that we're talking about. So when we look at, maybe we talk a little bit about her like earlier life and what we know about what happened to her and how she maybe got here. Yeah. It looked like there was, it's, I mean, all I know is from this documentary, I didn't do a ton of research into Teal Swan other than what was presented here. Cause they talk about it in the first couple episodes. They do. Yeah. And she mentions it a couple of times and then, you know, uses it uh, along the way to, to legitimize herself that her own trauma legitimizes how she goes about things and what she wants from you. And the grandiose gifts that she has. Yep. As a spiritual influencer, early on, she believed that she could feel things, energies from people, um, just sitting with them. She could tell exactly what they were thinking and feeling and what they needed and what they were experiencing in a very, like, supernatural, grandiose way. And this is what we, you know, this is what we experience from from narcissism as well. I mean, I've had that in my personal life and my professional life where they're very good at it. Yeah. So I have no doubt that any of us would, that I would be sitting in a session with Teal Swan or someone like her and that she would be able to say things about me, to intimidate me Mm -hmm. or to believe that she knew me and to, she would be very good at it. Yep. And she and, was when you watch in this documentary, I she's mean, frightening. She's very, very good at it. And the and this kind of personality that I've had in my personal life over and over again along the way, tangentially, very good at it. Very good at it. Very intuitive. Able to, like I said, able to pick up on your every breath. Yep. Hyper vigilant about their observation of you. This is why people who end up either in relationships with one or family members, well, let's use a relationship, friendship or intimate partnership. They ask a lot of questions. They're very curious about you. They're doing everything they can to mirror you in the beginning to give you this idea that um, they're really paying attention and they understand mm-hmm. you. They'll, they'll turn around and, and weaponize it. That's the whole point of it. And that's where it can also always also feel very special at the beginning because you're misinterpreting that as, wow, this person is really attentive and caring about me and saying X, Y, and Z. That is all like their plot. They're plotting things. They're, how, however much it's in their consciousness depends on where they are on that continuum. But it is, if you think about narcissism being one big walking defense mechanism, it's one way that they're able to, to remain two, three, four, five steps ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why I say that what narcissists need in therapeutic interventions is for me to be exactly who I am. In other words, for me to model being flawed. Yeah. For me to model being wrong. Cause I do, you do that a lot with narcissists cause you're always wrong mm-hmm. and you just model that and you take those ego stripes. You have to have a very strong ego. Mm-hmm. You just got to take those ego stripes and keep going because they need to know that a strong person can be wrong. A strong person can be flawed because it's the things they can't see in themselves. All that stuff, like all that stuff we're talking about. She, it's very interesting how I love the part in the series where they get to like, you know, I think, you know, the woman investigators kind of like being very careful about what she says to Teal. Oh, that was, that part's and funny she, actually. And she sort of says like, Teal sort of says, so, so what is your, what are your findings? You know, am I a cult kind of thing? 
because that was the big question. They were like investigating themselves or whatever. And the woman is kind of like, maybe, you know, even though it's a big yes, she's like, maybe. And it just throws Teal and her team like for a loop and they don't like it. And then all of a sudden- her, even her response, she's like, this, this is, um, this is upsetting me right now. I know. Almost like, she, again, like, you don't get to upset me. I know. So I'm going to I'm gonna censor you. Yeah. Even course. her responses are like, all right, next. Yeah, no. If you upset me, you cannot be in this circle. It, that's exactly what I'm talking about. In other words, if you have a different opinion than I am, you know, this is why the narcissist needs you to be exactly who you are. If you have a different opinion, if you're flawed, if you disagree, like, you're not allowed to be in the room. And that's what the healing of the narcissism needs because they need those different opinions. They need you to be in the room. They need to be able to tolerate you. And she just can't. No. It's such an interesting moment because so I talk a lot about cults on the show. I, for whatever reason, I'm like the cottage industry between the two of us on the cult thing around here, Manson and Jones, et cetera, for whatever reason. Can I, sorry, can I say one thing before you move on yeah, re yeah. Re regarding what we were just talking about? There's a, there's a line that I wrote down okay. to this whole thing you're talking about where she cannot do the very thing. She says, what I heard was not an acceptable thing. <laughs> it's, it's framed always in discipline. Oh, I can't even tell you how many times I've been told that kind of thing oh, by same, a client. Same. Like, I yeah. can't even, like, uh, if I had a dollar. Yeah, they, uh, they're really good at, um, and I've had mostly male narcissists in my practice, but they're very good at making sure you know when you have failed them in some way or they don't care about your feelings. I've gotten oh, yeah. that one too. Why would mm -hmm. I care about your feelings? Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, fair. Yeah, yeah fair. <laughs> I said to a client I can understand when, why I, you wouldn't. when I was ending a, a couple's, counseling thing. And I said, listen, I have no problem, you know, referring you out. I said to the couple, I said, obviously I don't, you know, that would not be personal, would not be hurting my feelings just because, you know, some people will carry that. And the narcissist, why would I care the narcissist goes, well, why would this be about your feelings? I go, clearly it wouldn't. It's yeah. not. That's what I just said. Yes. Yeah. Smile. But there, but there's a, um, uh, yeah, there's, there's this combat, this contention, but that's what I think is so funny about that line is what I heard was not an acceptable thing. And if that isn't a metaphor for them in the whole, general, the whole, you aren't acceptable. That's exactly mm -hmm. the, the, the theme I've got going here to give you guys an indication of what it's like to treat narcissism as it's like, that is what it is that you're exactly right. That's like a bumper sticker for it. And I can guarantee you that the first session with any personality like this is going to be a litany of how they both know you and hate you and devalue you. Yes. So that first session is going to be them reading my mind and telling me who I am based on, and it's often really wrong, honestly, these days. When I was younger, it would be pretty right on. These days I get a lot of, it's fascinating because there's all so much projection. They make up all these stories and I'm just like, this is so fascinating and so wrong. Like in my head, yeah. I'm like, oh, I love how wrong they are. But then um, there'll be that. Then the next phase would be, okay, how do I tell her that psychology is garbage and I'm not really here for myself. And then the last piece is everything I say is wrong for an hour. So it's like, she basically, you don't have to be a therapist who treats narcissism to me to understand what it's like. All you have to do is watch this documentary because yeah. she does it to everyone around That's her. That's right. But I did want to talk a little bit about the culty thing. Sure. Because that is a big, a, a big part of the series is sort of, is it a cult? Is it not a cult? Right. So here's here's what you witness in this series um, as a cult leader type of thing. So and as a narcissist, and feel free to chime in. Like hates to be challenged, 
there's a there's a couple of scenes where certain people who've come to the workshops challenge her in, great in ways that she's really uncomfortable and and my god does she deteriorate like at Ooh. a rapid pace. You see it, that mask just whoop. Yeah, I mean, you right think off. she's strong and powerful and all of that. It just like goes away. Mm -hmm. She hates to be challenged. Her whole identity is being above everyone and being different. I mean, she talks about it ad nauseum in this series. And no one's above her. And no one's above her. And it's all like, if you need to be a part of this, it needs to be about my needs. So if you can't put my needs first and you want to have kids and a family, that's unacceptable. Like, no, that doesn't work. I am above and I, this is different. I am different and unique. And that is often what we see with narcissism is that even low level narcissism is that a, an you know, one of their parents or somebody made them feel as if they were above everyone and they were very different and very unique. One of the guys says uh, about this, he says her mission is too important or her pain is much too great. And that's mm -hmm. such a great line because it's, he's essentially saying everything you are right now, there's no way around this being all about her. If it's not going to be this, then she's going to make it about that. Yeah. There isn't any solving this. No. Like she is completely undifferentiated to any kind of perspective about who she is and how she affects others. Yeah. So there is no shifting it, at least from what was presented in this documentary. I have to always give that preface is that that's what I know. I don't know her. So uh, she was physically and sexually and emotionally abused as a kid. That's explicated in the documentary. Not a bunch of details. She talks about it, though. She has, she's had five marriages and there is relationship chaos in, oh, yeah. in everything she's doing, like within the organization, within, and then, you know, five marriages, et cetera. I don't, honestly, I don't judge people for being in lots of long-term relationships. I get it, <laughs> but it only speaks to the relationship chaos. And I also see the relationship chaos played out. In yes. front of me in this documentary. With her friendships as well. With her friendships, with her managers, with Maladaptive her Maladaptive pattern. Textbook. I have often found a lot of narcissism in the spiritual community. Now, mm -hmm. I have been a part of the spiritual community in Los Angeles before. Not, I'm not talking about Christianity. I've been a part of that too as a child and on all of that organized religion was a piece of my history in my family. But I have also been a part of the spiritual communities of uh, alternative spiritualities, also of just healing spirit, healing and spirituality around massage and crystals and um, all the things yoga yoga all the things i've been a part of all of that at different parts of my life so and i've and i've had close friends who drank the kool-aid of all of that uh one of my big turnoffs honestly in my life or at least in the sec started in the second half of my life is people calling themselves a healer now in some of the communities that i run in in the past that's a very that was a very common experience i have very close friends that refer to themselves as healers and teal refers to herself as a healer and so she's channeling she's meditating she's got sound uh, baths she's got the community piece of this is really heavy and really strong and that is definitely the case in a lot of these kinds of communities and honestly i am not vilifying that Yoga is great. Meditation is exceptional. And I think one of the things Kathy and I were talking about before we got into talking about it with you guys is that 
she hates psychology, but she's taking not only psychology, but things that psychology ripped off meditation, mm -hmm. mindfulness, all that stuff, which is thousands of years old. We're all taking all of this stuff and repackaging it over and over and over again to help you. And I'm aware of that. And I don't have any problem discussing that. That's right. Like I didn't create this shit, but I'm going to help you. Help, I'm going to help you help yourself and use yeah, it if and, it works for you. It's evolving in the field. And exactly. And that's okay. Like it's okay. You, you take Cognitive behavioral psychology, dialectical behavior, humanistic, you know, uh, all the things. They're all using the same stuff with different words. And they have like maybe, a, you know, a Ten Commandments that's different from each other. It's like religion. Yep. You're all talking about. Yeah. The Adam and Eve story is in every religion yeah. on the planet. They just have different names and slightly different right. contexts and it's different culturally, but they're all the same sort of things we're all as humans trying to evolve to. Right. It's not about what she's using it's about how she's using it i don't mm -hmm. have any problem with tarot cards i don't have any problem with channeling i love all that stuff she gaslights oh poor blake i know man man that guy the peeps in this story you really feel for him but she gaslights everyone she creates abuse stories in others at least in this documentary it's like they kind of talk about how when we talk about suggestibility with vulnerable populations yeah. and how we can gaslight them and shift their perspective on their own childhood to a more negative reframe, the that power may, or may not be real. The power of suggestion mm -hmm. in the work that she does mm -hmm. is, and I'll talk about this in a little bit when you finish the cult stuff. That to me was one of the most concerning things about this whole thing. Now we can talk about it now. I mean, I'm going to weave, okay. this, weave this stuff in. Yeah. There. I mean, you and I started talking about this before we were recording, but you know, as licensed clinicians, we are held to standards by boards of ethics within our community, whether, you know, it's the BBS or the board of psychology, depending on your degree and your, your education level, you're going to be held accountable by the boards that hold standards mm -hmm. of practice to protect the vulnerable, which are your clients. Yeah. And when you don't have those protectors in place, they're there for a reason. Checks they're, and balances like our government, everything else, right? Is that just, literally yeah, what you checks wrote? And balances. Yeah. yeah. Your trauma and her trauma. She is, is so hurt. Her trauma is not everyone else's trauma. No. And one of the things that we learn when we're becoming clinicians is any client who is like you or is relatable to you are the clients you need to be the most careful working with because mm -hmm. just because you may have gone through two very similar things or have a similar diagnosis does not mean that they will be or need to be treated the same way mm -hmm. that you were. And mm -hmm. that's what she does. I know the answer for you. Mm -hmm. We're taught as professionals that the client is the expert in their life. We are help guiding them. We are challenging them at times. Even if we're in a position of authority as a forensic clinician, I've always still respected the autonomy of that person's life. And this woman takes all of that away with the power of suggestion by telling them that she knows more about them and their pain than they do. And then walking them into trauma memories without any way out of those, there are scenes in the doc where she has her own students or followers or whatever doing the trauma work on each other. Yeah. 
There's no ethics here. There, there's no ethics. There's no oversight. There's no real treatment going on. It's so reckless. We all know what happens when you're a leader and you don't have anybody that's gut checking you, like on a very simple level. And I study spiritual leaders, so this is very interesting to me because this is a spiritual leader living among us and has people, you know, following her and, and all of that. So she's currently doing workshops. So there are workshops, there are emails, there are products you can buy from her, like currently working and living among us and has been exposed by this documentary that that was hers to give. And I imagine why it's been released and why it's around is because she probably watched it and felt like it was a good representation and would be really helpful to people. So that's the lack of self knowledge. That's the level of self knowledge we're not we're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. so another piece, of course, of cults is controlling her in her communities. What I what I can say right now is that a lot of the very famous kind of culty people that we've studied or that you may be very very familiar with, there's often like this story of of death and destruction ultimately and so that that's not this story at this time but what we're seeing is the early stages of things that could go that direction meaning controlling your inner community and the controlling of the inner community becomes controlling of the whole community eventually but at this particular part in in what i can tell is teal swan's story her rigid control is only extended to her inner community, meaning the people running her workshops, the people she decides to invite into her like inner circle. Is that what you kind of observe? Oh, 100%. It I hasn't mean, breached to everyone yet. I don't think yeah. like in her, cause I, I feel like we're still at the stage where, and all the cult leaders trajectory that you've ever studied, it happens like this in the beginning. There's a lot of good that happens for people. I mean, Jim Jones was the same way. Oh, if, yeah. if you've listened to my Jim Jones That's what stuff, makes this work. You know, in the beginning, he was he was doing really wonderful work for people in the beginning. We, we've said this in every true crime cult-like thing that we've yeah. seen, which is, you know, people are looking for a leader, for a healer, for to escape suffering. They're looking for her approval, too. Yes. Oh, yes. so yeah. hard to watch. Yeah. And I mean... I don't know if you've ever looked for the approval of a narcissist, which I mean, a lot of us have. It's pretty empty. It's, it's. They're going to move the goalposts on you. It's a sad yeah. state of affairs. Yeah. It's a hard place to be. I've been there. I think Kathy's been, been there. there. Yeah. And a lot of the people I know, and it could be as light as someone you work for. You know, we all, I, I worked in Hollywood for 15 years. So like, you know, y- you, you want their approval. You genuinely want their approval. <laughs> Because they, they and are you don't know why, but you do. <laughs> because it's just this unspoken false persona that they develop that they somehow are superior and get to qualify you. Yeah. And when you come out of relationships like this of any capacity, the first part of work I do with my clients is how do we get to a place where you allowed someone to qualify your worth? Yeah. Part of, and, and I would say that's even sometimes advanced because it's like, how do you look back at it and see your part in it? Right. Because in the beginning yeah. it's all you about how, with how they're a jerk and you can't, you gotta, go, you gotta <laughs> go through all that trauma first, but I'm saying the work towards the self yeah, yeah. when they get to the self is like, how did we get to a place where you allowed someone to qualify you? Because anyone who's been with a narcissist, that's what keeps you there is I need this person to qualify me. Yeah. 
And that's what you see in her, in her people in those workshops is you see, you know, sad, hurt, abandoned, vulnerable people that are looking for faith and looking for answers and looking for a deeper knowledge of themselves and how they've gotten to this dark place, whatever dark place they're in. Uh, many levels of dark places. Many of them are suicidal. Many of them are self-harming because that's Teal's history. At least that's what she talks about a lot is that a lot of her followers are dealing with suicidal ideation and self-harm. And that's kind of one of the worries around her organization is that people are coming to her as a therapist. That's one of my worries is that people are coming to her with suicidal ideation, self-harming, a lot of very on the edge kinds of behaviors that are very risky and have a lot of ethics around them in my, in my work in Kathy and I's work. And so that's one of the things that pokes us the most. And what Kathy's talking about is like, there are regulations around our jobs or protocols in there for a reason, because when people need help, you need to be the person that is unpopular with them and you enact things to save their lives, hopefully. And so none of that is in this, right? It's all on Teal and what Teal says will save your life. And so she's taking on that responsibility, which is a dangerous, dangerous, slippery slope. And the majority of people don't know the difference between coaches, therapists, yeah. healer, like, yeah. In, unless you're in the industry or you see a therapist and they go through your credentials, most people wouldn't know that the lack of regulations, right. they just trust that she has experience. Right. She knows what she's doing. So these people go in there without any clue that those regulations are put in right. place. Because what happens is you get people like this who will say, oh, all of those boundaries are, that's all money making. That's all politicized. You don't need that. You don't need license. You don't need those bound. That's all bullshit to get you to pay all this money. Yep. Right. They don't understand that those checks and balances are there to keep you safe. Yeah. And some many of us have performed coaching services before. Mm -hmm. You know, Kathy performs services where she's a consultant. She's yep. a consultant on cases. That's not the same thing as being nope. someone's therapist. I've provided services of being a coach. Definitely not the same thing as being a therapist, because when I'm coaching or when Kathy's consulting, like we have a different set of priorities. If I'm coaching, I'm not, I'm not in conducting therapy with you. We are literally working on goals and achievements and, and going through that. Like it's very different. It's very different. And if I'm, co I'm, I'm your coach, I'm, if things start to come up that are deeper or you start to have risky behaviors, I'm going to refer you uh, to a therapist, right. even though I'm a therapist, that's not your role. I know my role in that moment. It's just like when Kathy's consulting, it's like, if those starts, things started to come up, she would say like, you know what, respectfully, I'm going to have to discontinue our consulting contract because you need, I, my recommendation is that you do X, Y, Z. So this is, it's super clear to us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and these are very murky waters, but here's the thing. I wanted to go back to one thing you were talking about. Like we were talking about how like these things are all tried and true things that work and they're old as the hills. Like I started making a list of all of the different things she was using. Uh, dramatic dialogues, gestalt, oh inner yes. child work, shamanic medicine, meditation, like all these Oh, the things. shamanic medicine. I know, oh, man. God. So all of these things, like, this is often my trouble sometimes is that I do love to study faith, spirituality, religion. It's one of those, as you guys who listen regularly, it's one of my sort of cottage interests and things I bring to the show and in my life. So a lot of the things that she uses are beautiful 
pieces of the world. Like I have met shamanic priestesses who practice that as part of their culture. Like we have all met people probably in our lives, at least I hope you have, who are genuinely a light in this world, you know, the Dalai Lamas of the world who genuinely bring a light and a spirituality and a healing vibe to the things that they do and a humility, a humbleness, mm-hmm. all of that beautifulness. And she's literally taking all of those things <laughs> and putting them into her little program and wielding them for her own aggrandizement. It kills me, man, these cults. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah. Exploiting all of that. All the goodness that is behind many of these different philosophies. And yeah. she's exploiting it. And she is a, she's a phony. But we're going to, I mean, you know, and you and I said it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. because she's still very much al- yes. alive in this and doing mm-hmm. it. How does this proceed? Yes. I mean, we'll just be watching. Especially after this documentary. We'll be, yeah, I know. But she continues on, at least from her website and all that, you know, I'm going to be watching. I'm, I'm very interested to see how this goes. I, I'm very interested in learning more about her. I'm very interested in the knowledge that everyone is going to gain about her and, and everything that's going to go forward. We'll just, we'll see how it plays out. But I, I wanted to end on, I know there was one thing that you were talking to me about before we started about, you know, suffering. Yeah. And you were kind of struck by a particular kind of question, thought process around the goal of escaping suffering. Yeah. You know, like clearly when we do grief work and we work with trauma, that there, there is a goal to eventually have some reprieve from that initial horrific pain or whatever it is that we're going through. But if the goal, if there is this idea that, you can achieve a life without suffering, then that really just sets people up, I think, to suffer more. Because some of the work that we do as clinicians is how do you continue to live knowing that this suffering or future suffering or whatever is is part of life? And what meaning do you make of that at some point? Um, how do you process those feelings? But the avoidance of negative feelings makes those negative feelings more unbearable because then there's this message that, well, I can get rid of these. Why aren't they gone yet? And and this comes into play in the doc when the woman comes back and she says, I'm still feeling this way. And it's like, and then all of a sudden, Teal has a whole other thing, which is, well, and she sits back and postures herself like, why? Why'd you think it was going to work that quick or whatever? Very Very defensive defensive. because your message has been that you know how to get rid of this. Well, that's the danger Mm -hmm. in what she's doing is everyone that sits down across from me as a new therapeutic client or talks to me about therapy at all, they all want to pull from you the answer. What's the answer? That's why these kinds of cults, these kinds of Anybody who says they have the answer. These kinds of programs, any cult, anything, anyone who tells you that they have the answer, you in that mood, in that place where you're seeking your ultimate answer or the pill that will fix you, you're going to buy it. You're going to say, great, she's got the answer. Finally, someone's on the scene with the answer. Let me go check that out. Mm -hmm. So it's a perfect sales technique. You say you have the answer, 
thousands of people want the answer, they will buy your shit. Okay. So that's where we start. Right. And then it's like, as a therapist, the same people sit in our chairs. And one of the first things we have to learn, <laughs> this is where the ethics come in and what we know about psychology is that it's actually not about ending your suffering. Like what Kathy's saying, it's not about ending your suffering. It's actually about tolerating and learning how to move through and grow and change and shift and evolve with suffering. Mm -hmm. It's called frustration tolerance. It's called tolerance of your own emotions. It's called accepting. It's all, it's called creating a new narrative, like whatever buzzwords in psychology you want to use because suffering will continue to be in your life. Just right. like we hope happiness will continue to be in your life. And how do we move through all of that? It's about not being stuck and it's yeah. about self-efficacy and self-resiliency. This is the stuff that I usually yep. talk about. That's ad right. nauseum. Real She's a hundred percent right. Damn folks. it. We agree. Thank you so much for coming to the show today. And we've yelled at you enough. So. Oh, this is, you know, <laughs> verdicts. Still out. Thanks for being our listener. We very much appreciate it. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.